It is Thursday Finance on 2NURFM and Stephen Pritchard along. And look, it is the finance aspect of Christmas. You do have to pay money to buy Christmas presents. You do have to make the thoughts happen to work out what you're going to buy. Have I left it too late, Stephen? Well, you don't actually have to pay any money for Christmas. Ebony of Scrooge used to do that. <laughs> right, so take a leaf out of Ebenezer Scrooge's book. Yeah, but uh, um, retail sales have been slow, um, uh, and so a lot of the retailers um, uh, are already having pre-Christmas sales. Um, they've bought the Boxing Day sales forward to try and clear the, the stock out of the shop. So, um, well, that sounds like yeah, a good idea. Yeah, so it's not unusual to... I was uh, over at the weekend, I was over at uh, one of the department stores, and it's, there's lots of signs with 20 and 30% off for the for the... For the weekend, um, so I'd uh, if you've left your Christmas presents to this stage, you might actually get some bargains. Might get them cheaper. Bargains before Christmas, which, which is unusual because it's usually the closer you get to events, the more things become expensive. They often do, yes. Yeah, so, anyhow, there's a few bargains around at uh, a couple of the shops around town at the moment. Okay, keep the eyes open and keep Keep looking. your Christmas spending <laughs> under control. That's always good advice, isn't it? In the meantime, what about commodities? Supposing we want to buy a block of gold. block of gold, well, we'll pay marginally less than we did last week. We'll pay uh, $1,568 an ounce this week compared to $1,574 an ounce last week. So there's really not much difference. So you're getting me a block of gold for Christmas, Jane. Well, is that what you want? Stephen? Oh, I wouldn't mind. A hundred <laughs> ounces or so. hundred ounces, okay. Ounces. Um, silver is $22.79 <laughs> an ounce. I don't know that it ever actually comes on sale. Um, and uh, tin is $28,559 a tonne, uh, which is up about 1% on last week. Um, the currency, uh, the currency is going down, which is unfortunate. Um, uh, the current, <laughs> says he, says in he. case he's thinking about travelling overseas. Yeah, in case he's yes. thinking about travelling overseas. Yes. I am actually going overseas ah. to the US, and I've just noticed that with um, with Clint Gosling from the Jets coach, ah. so he's going to keep me in straight and narrow. Um, so I'm just looking at the US exchange rate. We're down another almost percent to uh, 74, and we're going to talk about this a bit later too, uh, 74 um, US cents. One dollar will buy you 74 US cents, supposedly. Um, and Great British Pound is down to uh, 59 pence, and the euro, we're, we're actually up against the euro to 70 euro cents. It's probably the supposed banking crisis in Europe that's continuing to go on. Oh, do you doubt that it's true? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it's true. Right. <laughs> I'm sure it's true. I'm sure it's true. I just don't know how they're going to prop prop everyone up again. Um, the All Ordinaries Index, which was up, uh, is up for the week, is 1.84% to 5,639. Um, it's a shade away from the year's high. Um, the uh, US Dow Jones Index was up uh, 1.2% to 19,792. And the Hang Seng, which is Chinese Index, was down 1.5% to 22,456. Now, the Wex Texas Intermediate Crude Price was up 5% of the week to $70 a barrel Australian. And the unleaded fuel price, well, the trend seems to be as you predicted, Jane. <laughs> We're up 1.2% to the week to $1.24 a litre. I wonder if we'll get to a dollar forty over Christmas. Oh, is that a prediction, Steve? No, no, you're the one who predicts. <laughs> no, we're yeah, um, we're a dollar thirty not so long ago. Um, and uh, in Sydney, we're a dollar thirty a litre, which is down two point five two percent on last week, which is unusual that we're still lower than Sydney. 
I imagine that'll change over the holidays. Mm. Maybe and all the Sydneyites will maybe drive all the up Sydney to fill up. And the, the diesel price, um, $1.21 a litre in Newcastle and $1.20 a litre in Sydney. Mm. So that's about the same. Senior commentator with the Marcus Today Financial Newsletter, Stephen Pritchard, over to you. Hi, Henry. Hi, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. You're down in Melbourne where it'll be nice and cool. It is significantly cooler in Melbourne than it is in Sydney, that is for sure. Particularly yesterday, I imagine. Yeah, I've escaped the heat, which is which is good. So, you, so yes, it's yeah. a little cooler down here. You got any snow down there? Um, say again? You got any snow down there? Not snow, not uh, yet. No, it's not, it's not quite that cold, yeah. Stephen. It's quite cool up here compared to yesterday, but anyhow. Oh, that's good. Uh, so the US Federal Reserve dropped their interest rates overnight. So they what did. That mean? Well, it was kind of widely expected. This is only the second time, I guess, in 10 years that uh, the US has raised rates only by 25 basis points, is that they're moving to a more normalised interest rate setting, which I think is um, probably good. They've judged that the US economy can uh, withstand that whole 25 basis points rise. Um, and although they've been moving glacially uh, towards it, they finally bit the bullet. Um, the key, I guess, is the outlook for interest rates. And they, they're sort of intimating that next year they're going to have three more rate rises. Um, the market was only expecting two. So um, as a result, the Dow fell a little bit overnight and the US dollar strengthened and our dollar weakened against it because of that. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting and it certainly shows, I guess, that uh, interest rates around the world are going to be moving slightly ahead. And, of course, um, we've also got the Trump factor to come into play as well um, in, terms of, in terms of growth in the US too. So um, that will be interesting as well as Janet Yellen tries to juggle that infrastructure spend with higher rates and all the other things that she has to do. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, Trump becomes president sometime in <laughs> January. Yeah, 20th yeah, of January, 20th I think, is inaugurator. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah, he's managed to secure a 16-year-old America Idol um, contestant to uh, sing the national anthem, which is a, a massive coup for, uh, for Donald Trump. Um, I think Obama had Beyonce. Um, and uh, but he's managed to snare this 16-year-old girl um, for for doing an anthem, which is a huge coup. Yes, yes. He'd probably give <laughs> us some accommodation at Trump Tower. <laughs> Trump Tower, exactly. Yeah. And hang out with all his kids. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be pleased. <laughs> yeah, they will. Anyhow, uh, talking of a huge coup, uh, 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 Macquarie's come in and tried to spoil the the party with the Tabcorp takeover of uh, TATS and our Tabcorps rejected uh, Martin mm. Macquarie's proposal. So, uh, this is, um, yeah, I mean, this is <laughs> this is classic kind of Macquarie, I guess you would say. I mean, they've, they've come in at the at the eleventh hour before Christmas, um, and they've bid um, for. They really only want the lotteries business. They, they're going to let shareholders keep the wagering business, but they look at lotteries as a bit of an infrastructure play, um, like a utility, I guess, like a transurban or something like that. And Macquarie are very good at infrastructure plays. They've teamed up with the barbarians at the gate, the um, KKR people, who uh, listeners will probably remember from uh, those halcyon days in the 80s when they uh, bid for RJR Nabisco, and there was a famous book written about it. So mm -hmm. they've teamed up with these guys. They want the lotteries business. They don't want the wagering business, and they're really trying to scupper um, the plan for TACCorp and TAT to merge. Um, so it's going to be interesting, to say the least. Macquarie are offering cold, hard cash, which is always good in terms of a takeover. So, um, yeah, this one, I think, has got some way to run. 
Yes, I'm sure it will still be going in the new year. Might even, oh, yes. Might even be still going when we're back. I expect it will be going long into 2017. There's lots of uh, uh, regulatory approvals and those sorts of things to get through, so uh, as well as shareholder approvals, so it's going to be a long battle. And something else that appears to be coming a long battle is Bellamy's shares have been suspended. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, yeah, unfortunately for Bellamy's, this is probably not going to be good news when they come back online. Um, the company's shares were suspended. They had a profit downgrade a couple of weeks ago which savaged the share price um, they went into suspense a couple of days ago and have stayed there and there's also uh, lots of stories about uh, in, the, in the media about the fall in their um, domestic sales and just anecdotally I went into a chemist warehouse on uh, Saturday locally to buy something for a, for a friend for Christmas and the two loan tins of Bellamy's formula were placed at ankle height as opposed to uh, eye level. So I guess that's a, a, a sign of the times um, that Bellamy's is very much out of favour with their products at the moment and I guess have shot themselves in the foot with some discounting and some uh, some bad management of um, of their stock. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be good news. And Maurice Blackburn's looking at a class action as well just to add to their Christmas woes. And to yeah. add to Maurice Blackburn's Christmas stocking. <laughs> Yeah, well, ambulance-chasing lawyers are always uh, up for a, for a fight, especially if they sniff, uh, sniff a decent payout or somewhere along the line. I thought they'd be too busy fighting their competitor, but anyhow. Yeah, you would have thought so, wouldn't you? But yeah, anyway. There's a big yeah. off there. Um, mm. uh, and then Flight Centre seems to have got themselves into a bit of trouble about uh, yeah. engaging in anti-competitive product, telling the airlines they couldn't discount the airfares. Yeah, well, flight centres got their own problems at the moment as well. I mean, we're seeing this massive kind of airline price war happening around the world, especially with the introduction of uh, these Chinese airlines. And there was a big media article about the growth of these Chinese airlines the other day. Um, a flight centre's been uh, been called out and uh, been found guilty by the High Court of anti-competitive conduct and have, they could lose about 11 million bucks in, in fines for this. Um, so... Um, I, I think that's, you know, I think Flight Centre will probably settle for 11 million bucks, to be honest, um, mm -hmm. make the whole thing go away. But uh, uh, I noticed that the ACCC chairman, Rod Sims, is calling for a, a bigger fine, uh, and Flight Centre tried to uh, undercut Singapore, Malaysia, and Emirates uh, with their airline, um, with, their, with their prices, I guess. So Anti-competitive, yes. not, not good news for Flight Centre, but it's, it's probably a drop in the ocean in terms of profitability. We, we might uh, just come back in a minute and talk about what's happening down at Santos. Who, what need oh, to yes, some always more, good fun. So raise some more money. We're in the middle of our market snapshot at the moment, Stephen Pritchard, with Henry Jennings. And Henry, it, it's it's not too late to uh, um, subscribe to your no, uh, it's for the a ideal Christmas, Christmas gift. It's the ideal Christmas present, Stephen, a subscription to Marcus Today. Um, you can go on to marcustoday.com.au and uh, sign up for a free trial or talk to the lovely Nina, um, and she will sort you out with uh, a subscription for your loved ones for Christmas. And so, so is that still going to be produced all over Christmas, or is it off for a um, week we, or two? We, we um, finish up on uh, Christmas Eve, which is about 23rd, and then we uh, start busily writing again uh, on the 16th of January. Oh, that's all right. So people can take it away with them on their break yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. fill in their day yeah. down at the beach. Yeah, exactly. On their new exactly. iPads. 
exactly on their new iPads. <laughs> and uh, speaking of, Santa must need some money to buy some new iPads because they're, they're looking at raising some more capitalists. They're raising more money. I mean, Santos, I guess, is one of those stocks that we, we kind of know and love and, um, and sometimes hate, and it's been a sort of a hated stock for some time. They've got a big debt burden. They borrow a lot of money to build these LNG plants um, in Queensland. Um, there's a new guy in charge, CEO Kevin Gallagher. Um, Santos is actually going to split the company. Um, they're going to sort of demerge it and put into uh, some of some assets into one company and some assets into another company. And they've raised 1.5 billion dollars this morning. Uh, quick bill from uh, institutional investors, and they're looking for another 500 million from uh, retail investors. Unfortunately, this, the stock market has not really rewarded them very well in this respect. They, they placed the shares at. 406, and they're now trading um, just slightly below that. So anyone who took the new shares at 406, as an institution, isn't now only going to get four bucks for them. So they're, they're down six cents on their investment so far. So, but it has been a, a bit of a rocky and, and bumpy old ride for Santos. But um, maybe the oil price going up will um, will pull them out of the um, out of their sort of dive. Yes, we can and, only hope. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we can only hope. Uh, yeah. Um, and speaking of uh, rights issues, the, there's a lot of criticism about the Burrell's capital raising and rights issue to yeah. fund their acquisition in the US. Well, it was just such a big acquisition and such a big rights issue. And I guess it was, um, you know, it was a company-changing deal uh, that Burrell have embarked on in the US with this, this purchase of Headwaters. Um, and I think shareholders would have liked to have probably been sort of warned about the deal first or, you know, basically they had a gun to their head and said, you know, either, um, you know, you participate in the rights issue, we're going to get diluted um, and we're going to buy this thing, whatever, because it was an underwritten rights issue. So um, shareholders are, I guess, understandably a little peeved that the whole nature of the company is changing and the, and the bet on the U.S. economy has been ramped up dramatically. So there's certainly been a lot of people um, in institutional land and retail land that are somewhat concerned about the, um, the direction Borrell's taking. And, you know, you and I both know that the Australian experience of buying big companies overseas yeah, has hardly nice. been a stunning success. And, you know, we have to look back at Rio buying Alcan or BHP buying Petrahawk to see it can unwind pretty spectacularly, even looking at something like Slater & Gordon with the yeah. UK business they bought. So there's, there's a serious amount of risk involved in this for Borrell shareholders. Just thinking about this, is there any that have actually been a success? Um, I'm sure there has. Well, CSL have done quite well with their overseas operations. Ancor have done pretty well with their overseas acquisitions. Um, there has there has been some. The banks haven't been mm. so successful. Mm. Um, Telstra get gun shy whenever anybody mentions overseas an mm. ambitions. They pulled out of the San Miguel deal in the Philippines um, for a mobile network. So I guess there are some. Um, and BHP, I guess. No, probably not. <laughs> Hard to identify, Henry. Uh, they're, they're, yeah, they're few and far between, I guess. And uh, speaking of acquisitions, corporate travel management's um, making an acquisition opportunity to expand in the UK, taking advantage of cheap prices, as they say. Yeah, I think that's a pretty cool idea, actually. I mean, the, the, um, the UK, uh, well, the sterling Australian dollar rate is pretty good at the moment. So if you can raise money here and spend it in the UK, why wouldn't you? Um, so they're paying... Um, they're paying 69 million bucks for uh, Redfern Travel and another company called Andrew Jones Travel, 
Um, they're paying uh, nearly six million bucks for that one, um, and they're raising seventy-one million dollars in the market. And they did kind of upgrade their EBITDA guidance, so that was good. So the uh, the market kind of likes those kind of deals, which are um, you know growing the company using uh, using decent money to, uh, to 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 buy something in not so decent money in the UK. So bit of a tick of approval there. So um, yeah, no, it's good. And the other tick of approval for the coal mining stocks is the coking coal prices increased by 42.5%. Yeah, I mean, commodities have been a big story this year, and coking coal is one of those big stories, and it has been uh, spectacular. We've, we've talked before on this show about um, the growth in Whitehaven share price went from you know, 37 cents to above 3 bucks. Um, you know, New Hope the same. Some of these coal stocks have done very well. And, of course, the rise in, this, uh, in these coal prices is... Uh, Brought Adani back out again mm-hmm. um, for their Galilee Basin project in uh, in Queensland, with with the Turnbull government fawning over them and offering them taxpayer money to mm. pollute the Barrier Reef. It's pretty we can't get some of that. <laughs> really, with some of our own money back, our own taxpayer money back. No, yeah, well, that would that would never happen. No, because we probably wouldn't want to pollute the Barrier Reef. No, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And uh, one last thing, the UK hedge fund says that Australian bank stocks are overpriced and should be shorted. Uh, again, I mean, uh, this, this has been, I guess, the, the hedge fund widowmakers trade yep. shorting Australian mm-hmm. banks. Um, they're always seen as a proxy for the housing market. Housing market is expensive. Therefore, we should short Australian banks. And, you know, I have a thing called the big bank basket, the triple B, which is the the summation of the four banks, just their share prices, nothing else, pretty simple. Um, The the share prices of the big four uh, bottomed uh, back in July at around $147. We're currently trading at around $173 for the big four, and it peaked in March 2015 around $210, So uh, we're kind of midway. I, I think they run pretty hard and pretty fast. Um, I'd be taking a little bit off the top, but uh, I don't think they're a massive short. They've got a very dominant uh, position here. They've got pricing power. We've seen them start to raise mortgage rates, uh, as rates around the world have done uh, have done the same. So um, I, I think this is another widow-maker trade, and, and a hedge fund that shorts Australian banks is just asking for trouble. They haven't got our money anyhow. Okay, so we'll talk to you again next year, Henry. Excellent. Have a good Christmas. And you have a great Christmas, and all your listeners have a great and happy 2017. And a profitable one, hopefully. And a profitable one it will be if you follow our newsletter. I'm sure that's right, (laughs) Henry. Lots of finance. Henry, it's been great having your contributions (laughs) through the year, and you have a great Christmas. But we're going to talk. Stephen, about um, travelling overseas and some of the ways of um, caring for your money, I suppose. Well, yes. One of the one of the most important things I think people need to think about is 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 when you travel overseas, you need to take out travel insurance. I mean, we had a we had a case, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Some people were injured in Bali, and they had to come back to Australia and uh, run up this huge. Um, Medical cost bill, so the transport bill. Medical costs, of course, will add tremendously to the cost of repatriation. That's right. And in in the US, the medical the medical expenses are horrendous. In the US, they're they're about ten times. I mean, ours are high enough here, but in in the US, they're about ten times the cost. Really expensive. So, so so if you are travelling overseas, you need to you need to get some travel insurance. You need to get a a make sure it's from a reputable underwriter, one who who who's going to be around when you need to. 
make the claim. So and probably a company you've heard of. Yes, mm. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and you need to have a look at the cover that you're getting. And I would have thought, you know, travel insurance policies cover all sorts of things, but, but personally, you know, I'm not particularly care if the, if the, the luggage gets, goes missing or, or something like that. What I'd be more concerned about is that, um, you've got unlimited medical expenses cover. That, that's the most important thing on travel insurance, I would have thought. Unlimited. Unlimited mm. medical insurance cover. Because uh, you just can't imagine how high things well, well, might I, be. Well, I know from experience we had a client who, 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 who one of the family members was injured in the US and the hospital bill was $110,000. It's a lot, and I uh, suppose you've got to fork out for that before you can claim it back from if well, you've got insurance. Well, no, they didn't have insurance. Oh. Mm. That's how I knew how much it was. They mm. didn't have insurance. Their mm. daughter had just gone off and, yes, and went over there for a trip. And uh, so anyhow, so the, the costs in, a, the, costs in, uh, in the U.S. particularly can be uh, a large. Um, and then, of course, the other thing you need to think about is, is when you what, what sort of money you're going to take across to the various countries. And... Um, uh, there's various ways you can pay for um, your expenses in a foreign country. Um, you can uh, take uh, travellers' checks, which which aren't as popular as they once were. Um, you can use your credit card, and and the exchange rates on credit cards are, are quite good, actually. Um, or at least on the the Visa one that I've had experience with. Um, I assume they're all pretty similar. Um, and then foreign currency. Now, if you go to the local bank, and um, now you need to be careful on when you go to the local bank and well, get your currency. Um, I, I just got a couple of quotes from institutions in Beaumont Street this morning and converting US dollars. And uh, one Australian dollar, one institution will buy you 70 US cents. And another one um, just next door will buy you 72 US cents. So you're talking about a 3% difference. So what you need to, and that soon adds up on a reasonable amount of money. So what you need to think about is um, how much cash, and of course cash is the most expensive way to take money across overseas. Um, um, now, some, some places say, well, they've got no commission but they're giving you a, a far worse exchange rate. So what you need to do is, I would have thought, um, if you're going to you know, take a few thousand dollars of currency overseas, um, go and get a couple of quotes of the various financial institutions. Don't worry about um, the commission or the exchange rate. You just want to tell them, you know, I'm going to give you $2,000 Australian, how many US dollars I will get. And that's really what matters. It's not the... It's not the you know, the conversion rate or the fees and the commissions is how much you end up in your pocket. So you give them, tell them how much you're going to give them and ask how much currency you're going to get. Now, I have found from personal experience, um, the further you get away from the airport, the better the exchange rates get. If you if you go and exchange the currency in the little um, shop at the airport, um, you'll get a worse rate then yes. uh, looking at the smile on your face, you've discovered that too. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a good policy. <laughs> no, it's all right if you just need to get a little bit of foreign currency. To, yeah. Yes. But, but yeah, yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't miss changing it at the airport. Mm. Um, and the other thing, of course, is um, passports and other documents. Um, it seems to be surprisingly how many people don't realise that a lot of countries still require visas. Um, and, and if you're going to foreign countries, uh, you need to get um, the visas well in advance. I know um, some of them you can apply online, but if you don't get an automatic one online, 
you go through the manual process. Sometimes you even got to go down to the consulate with your passport. Um, so, so if you're going away, make sure um, the visa are in order. Or otherwise, they, you get to those countries and they'll just put you back on the plane and send you back. As as strongly as that. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, no, can't get in. We do it here. Mm, okay. So we don't have consulates in Newcastle and the Hunter, do we? Uh, not as far as I know. So it does mean if we have to go and attend in, per- uh, in person, it's got to be down to Sydney. I think the Chinese one, you've got to pass your pa- post your passport down to Canberra or something. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, so. So, so I know the Indian one, you have to attend in Sydney. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sydney. Um, okay. What about the Vietnamese one? You, uh, well, yes, when I've been to Vietnam, we've always gone down to Sydney to yeah. get the visa. Yeah, so, yeah. The US one you can apply for um, online, but if, if it doesn't issue it online, you've actually got to go down to the consulate, which is in the MLC centre. So, mm. yeah, so that, that, that can... Uh, uh, and Fiji will just issue one as you come into the country. So some countries do that. Yeah, yeah. depending on the relationship. In New Zealand, you don't need one at all. Yes, and I suppose also if yeah. you are waiting to the airport, when it's a country that does issue visas mm. at the airport, you're likely to be in a queue. Mm. Oh, if, Fiji just stamped it as you go through. Oh, Fiji's. But I mean, so I see a lot. Of, a lot. What a lot of the, what you know what's happened here is that, you know you know ten years ago you used to go to the travel agent and you you, you know they do all this for you. Now a lot of people just book the things online and they miss the you know they forget about the travel insurance they forget about the visas, um, and they get into problems down the track. Now, the other thing is you need to take um, copies of your passport. You need to photocopy your passport. You need to photocopy your credit cards and any of these important travel documents. And don't keep the copies with the original. Okay, because if you lose one, you, you lose do lose both. them both. Yeah, and even these days, I suppose you can just take a photocopy of them and store it on your iPhone. I suppose you yeah. can. So it's yeah. not a bad idea to, to, to just take a copy of your passport, your travel documents, and your credit card. So if you, you know, your credit card, all this stuff gets stolen or something, you can go into the bank over there and, and you've got your credit card number and it'll ring up Visa or, Master, or American Express or MasterCard and you've got your credit card number and they can reissue them. But, now that's, that's not a security concern? Having all that detail? I mean, it is a kind of what else um, gonna, identity. What else document. are you going to do? Well, just asking. <laughs> oh, I suppose it's a security concern, but yeah. It's a balancing. Yeah, yeah. I've just photocopied one and put them in the bottom of the briefcase, uh, the suitcase. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or your hand baggage. Or your hand baggage, but you usually <laughs> keep your passport in your hand baggage. Right, you? okay. <laughs> I wear my passport around my neck when I'm travelling. Oh, okay. But not when I'm in the country. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so how do you clip it on around your neck? Oh, there's one of those little containers oh, that oh, you can okay. buy to wear, yeah. yeah oh, nice so, and comfortable. So what tips have we got from you, Jane? <laughs> Nothing right at the moment. I'm sure you're the expert on no, finance no, and no, uh, it's no, really no, seen you are going overseas. It's good to have no, your recent experience. No, no, no. Well, we've got, a, we've got a visa and everything, currencies, all of us. So currencies are organised, visas are organised. travel insurance. Travel is insurance is Oh, and a lot of credit cards now have got... A lot of the... Credit cards have travel insurance if you um, use the credit cards, but you need to pick up the... And there's a lot of exclusions on those too. So if you're going to rely on that, you need to actually go to the trouble of extracting the actual policy document. Uh, and all of the banks who issue the credit cards have got the policy document on the website, so it's not that hard to get. And have a look at that. And also, while you're doing that, take down the number that you need to ring in case you've... Uh, 
in case, oh, in case you need them. In case yes. you do actually need them. I mean, a lot of them have got international call centre numbers. And I believe also if you've got any questions about the level of cover, you can actually talk to them. You'll find a person. Oh, you've tried. <laughs> so it's always nice. How long, how long are you on hold for? Uh, yeah, well, that's another question. Well, that's uh, tips for travel and that's Thursday Finance um, coming to an end for this year. Thank you very much, Thank Stephen you, Jane. Richard. And we look forward to keeping our finances in order next year as well. Happy Christmas to you. Happy Christmas to you. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.